0: To the Am Sisters podcast, you're here today with your host, and I'm Maria Heading, bringing you your favorite twin talk of the week. And because it's the month of March, we're gonna talk about guess what? Women's History Month. (laughs) Yeah, so Women's History Month um, is celebrated in the United States, Australia, Canada, and UK. But like in Canada, I think it's in the month of October. And it's not an international holiday, but I think it increases, makes us question a lot of things about gender, about women's rights, equality, and all those things. And we just had the 8th of March, that is Women's International International Women's Day. And this is commemorated, like celebrated internationally. So, but it's interesting to me the word Women's History Month, because... If you think about it, it implies a lot of things in itself. First, why women's history needed to have this month designated for it since, and it was in the late 70s, so pretty recently. And where were women throughout all this time? You know, we're half of the world population. Where is our history? I truly believe our history of us as women not only cis, but everyone who identifies as women, yes. we were silenced, right? That's why we didn't have a history. That's why we've been hearing only masculine history, only the worldview of men, right? Because everything, all history, all kinds of histories, they are, they are interpretational facts. And this interpretation... um, is showing a point of view of who is in power. And until pretty recently, all men, only men could have this power of starting, you know, like perpetuating um a narrative and this history that we know. But it doesn't mean that this is what truly happened because women, they they have always been so important. I mean, we are here as human beings because somebody was our moms, right? otherwise we wouldn't even have been born. So our history is truly, truly important, but we didn't have the social power, you know, to be heard, that's the fact, yeah. That's right, and I think it's important to say, like you were saying, history is like um, an exercise of power, who writes history? And it's important to say that until nowadays has been pretty much cisgender, men white cisgender men specifically so it's a very small part of the world population that has been telling stories about everyone else or excluding them because narrative is not only about what is included but what is excluded purposefully and women's history is also something that is being shared mainly throughout like oral history So it's not exactly in textbooks, it's not exactly the thing you're going to find in encyclopedias and the academic knowledge, because university itself is a very male-dominated institution from the beginning. They didn't accept women to go within for, like, resulting in the history we know that doesn't include women's perspectives. And only recently, I would say, like, with all academic researchers and all those things, but... Women's oral history is so important because it tells us so much about who we are and like the mother line and telling our roles in society and the role of women has been also represented in as medicine women and the ones who deal with rites of passage in the community, the birth, the death, and all the things in between. They are the caregivers, they are the supporters, and... Women have historically they they've been working in society in various different ways, but sometimes it's is a work that is um, made invisible. I would say this work is made invisible only because of our society and the structure of you know capitalism, giving value only for those who are productive by the means of capital. And I think it's really important to talk about storytelling because it gives us a perspective of the other side, of the underdogs, of the people who have not been heard or who have not been given the chance to express themselves in a way that is considered legitimized or official. So those unofficial narratives are really, really important to put some light into histories of people who have not had the chance to be shown, you know, or represented. And one aspect of culture that is really important is that culture is not static. It's always evolving and changing. So I think storytelling is a way that really permits and allows this transformation and this interpretation of things in a way that suits the person who is living the culture in that moment. And also to those who have been, you know, the history that have been passed down the way that people receive that history. It's also being shaped because no, no person will tell the history the same way when it's spoken. Right. And Mm -hmm. adding little facts and taking some others is what makes this culture and this, story be shaped in a way that is truly meaningful and true to the moment and to the people who are telling the stories and this shows a lot about the history of women you know and we we see many people you know sharing songs that their grandmas used to sing to them or tales or histories that are almost like fairy tales But they always have something that is really deep and transformational and something that aggregates value and will show a kind of lesson to the person who who is receiving that knowledge. Yes. And like you were saying, I think it's important to say that every time that there is power, there is also counter power. Yes, this kind of So I think the the role of women in telling those stories is also a submersive role and like changing power dynamics. And because they were expected to be the ones raising children and telling the stories, teaching them how to act in community, how to be part of that society and giving like the morals and all those things, they... Play a very, very big role, foundational role in societies and communities in general. And even like there are some theories that talk about the role of grandmothers in the development of societies, how they're important for like the structuring of communities because they were the ones who had to stay with the kids. So they were the ones who had to teach them how to behave and how to, you know, interact among themselves. And I think it's fascinating what you were saying about storytelling and like tales. Cause everyone is familiar with fairy tales, I think. It can be from the very spooky ones, like the Green Grimch Brothers. And Green Brothers was their name. Yeah, I I think so. And, and like the original fairy tales, but like the original fairy tales they were spooky and they were scary and they had a lesson because usually they were told to young girls to warn them about the dangers of the world and not just saying uh, like a prince in a shining armor will come and save you but more like be aware you have your power you have your strength but the world is not always this nice place you learn to defend yourself you learn to you know and we were discussing earlier, me and my sister about Disney fairy tales and how like women has been portrayed in those fairy tales, like the princesses. I mean, that, the old ones. Okay. The old ones. Yes. I cannot save most of them. Yes, because they're so problematic. I think the first one we can talk a little bit about is the beauty and the beast. I really don't like that one. I mean, the beauty is such a, go ahead. The beauty is such a smart girl and she has all the potential and she's such a lovely person with her dad, who's also a nice guy and she's powerful and strong. As you were saying, you know, like keeping her boundaries with the Gaston, I think was his name, right? Yeah. Belle knows how to put her boundaries in place. She doesn't allow Gaston to mess around with her. And she's very smart. She knows her place in the village and she questions everything. But then she gets napped by the beast. And she decides to stay in the castle. I mean, (laughs) first of all, it's a kidnap. It's just being held hostage, you know, by a person who is not even a person. It's like a monster or a beast. It's not pretty at all. Imagine this in real life, a guy who looks like a beast, imprisoning you in a castle far away from everyone. That's not pretty. And, you know, it's kind of very twisted, like how a person would fall in love with a beast only by knowing he was good at heart. But for me, it sounds a lot like manipulation. Mm -hmm. You know? It's very unhealthy. Don't do that. Don't fall then, in love with doing this to you. <laughs> yeah. And just with the hopes of transforming him. So like this very sacrificial role of women is in the story as well. Like how women have to believe in love and how they have to believe in the transformational power of love. But in a very problematic way. Because of course love is beautiful and it is transformational. But not... Like this and yeah and like other fairy tales I mean little mermaid she sells her voice (laughs) what you don't sell your voice girl never she sells her voice and she gives up on her own true nature Mm, yeah as a mermaid to be voiceless speechless you know like not being able to speak for herself in a human body. Just because she wanted to be with the prince. No. No. <laughs> and then. <clears throat> yeah. And there's many others. Like. The Slipping Beauty. I mean. She was slipping, Don't kiss her please. <laughs> Very basic stuff. But. It, at least we have a few new stories. That are pretty good. In my opinion. Like Mulan. I still love Mulan. And. and Moana. I love Moana. I love her grandma. You're so magical and beautiful. And I want to watch Raya now. She's also the dragon and she's saving things. And yeah, I think it's more empowering to see women in those positions. Tiana is also really nice. I didn't watch. The Princess and the Frog. She has her own business. And she's like a go-getter. And <laughs> yes, I think it's good that the stories around women are also changing because like we said in a few episodes, I think, uh, it is so important to see representations of who we are on screen and know that our stories are also like allowed to exist and that you can have a different story than, you know, the one you're living that might be of oppression or suppression or yeah this also shows that women can have powerful roles they can be their own uh, saviors you know they don't need someone else to come and take care of everything for them so it's really beautiful to see this empowerment and i think we can move on to the Next thing, I think you already mentioned a little bit about that, but, you know, the role of women in in the care of people. They're caregivers, usually. Women are portrayed as caregivers, right? Yeah. So, the institutionalization of medicine has really taken off the power from women that they had, the main responsibility of taking care of the health of the community that they lived in. And they took off this power from them and gave the power to the hands of male doctors and physicians. And I think it's really interesting. I read an article on ecofeminism that is really portrayed um, their point of view on that situation. And they were saying that lay women, they were usually... Very knowledgeable on natural treatments, such as using herbs and, you know, assisting birth and settling bones and doing bath with some kind of natural elements there that could help you heal faster. They were all very natural and also um, not a lot of intervention. They were not invasive, yeah. And they were able to take care of their community. It was not like a high level technological treatment, you know, but they had the power to take care of their families. And then because of institutionalization, only men were allowed to go to universities. Mainly men could go to universities. And then those women, they were not allowed to work in healthcare anymore. Yes. And so during that time, the Catholic Church was also very associated with this institutionalization because they had a lot of power. And it's pretty crazy how even the education at the time, medicine was not teaching all what we know as medicine nowadays. They were teaching, teaching things such as astronomy and Religion and all those things that we don't really associate with medicine nowadays. And they were saying. Because like traditionally, the first universities that appeared, they were very interdisciplinary, as we would call. So like the mandatory things they had to learn was like astronomy, philosophy, philosophy, Latin and religion, plus whatever they wanted to do, like medicine. So, yeah, I believe women at that time, they had more knowledge about healthcare. Indeed, than those men who went to universities, but they were not allowed to practice. And then those men, they had to have the supervision or allowance of a, of a priest in order to practice their work, which was very, very invasive. And most of the times it would not really heal the person. I think it was causing more harm than healing, to be honest with all the bleeding and all that, you know. And then later on there was this witch trial thing, you know. And then the Catholic Church once again was disempowering women and saying that those who could heal using herbs especially they were doing something that was related to the devil and that you know their own healing abilities were accused as as something bad and then they were accused of witchcraft and we know all the history how bad it was the witch trials so yeah. it, it's a long history of disempowerment of women in terms of taking care of their communities taking care of their selves and the way that they feel disconnected with their own bodies because everything has been institutionalized and we don't feel connected. We cannot listen to our bodies anymore. You know, everything has been very compartmentalized and seen in a very, very masculine way. That's right. And I think this kind of excluding women from the system, from biomedical system and all those things, is also related to, like, putting women to work only in the household, Because in the past, they used to share labor in the community, like gathering fruits and gathering food and all those things while men went hunting. Um, It was more balanced, I would say, the division of labor by gender, because it was necessary for everyone's survival. But because of the development of capitalist system, women stayed at home because they needed to take care of this family unit that would produce more workers. And... Her labor was not monetized. So she didn't receive for this role of taking care for cleaning, for washing, for, you know, doing things that we take for granted until nowadays in our society. So like the second movement, second wave of feminism talked a lot about this. What about all these women that are doing all this hard work and don't receive anything? So they don't have financial independence. They cannot, even if their husbands are not treating them Right. They cannot move away from them because they don't have a way to sustain their own lives. And this goes back to the whole process of institutionalization that you were talking about, like universities, they excluded women from that and ignored all the knowledge they had or appropriated part of the knowledge for men only. And because women couldn't acquire this certification that said they had a certain knowledge they couldn't go to the workforce so they couldn't find jobs in society and it's just a very harmful cycle that perpetuates itself and it's crazy how only like the 20th century by the end of the 20th century women started going to universities and actually taking place in the job market but until nowadays we still deal with a lot of wage gaps you know like between gender and so many other things and even like in the you were talking about the biomedical system uh the male body only is taken as the example for medicine and it's taken as this human body but it's not a human body it's a male body and females have different hormones we work differently our anatomy is a bit different as well and if you don't take that into consideration, how are you producing all this drugs, all the pharmaceuticals and even like security systems and everything that is focused on the male population, excluding us over and over and over and over and over again throughout history. So that's why I think Women's History Month is important to remind us of what is history and what is the system that we are creating. Consciously, honestly, it's a power dynamic. Yeah. It's, I digress. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, male bodies are the standard. Women, yeah. women bodies are the alternative. And that's really what we see in healthcare. Biomedicine is the standard. Holistic healing, what we've been studied, what we've been studying that is really related to the feminine is the alternative. Yeah. I wonder why. And, you know, like, even when you were talking about testing drugs and all that on men, because they have, they don't have all the cycles and all that, one thing that is pretty important, it's about pills and contraceptives. Um You know, they could do that with men, but they thought the, the, side effects were too bad for men to endure, but of course they're not too bad for women to endure, right? Yeah. And the history of creating contraceptives is horrible. It Populations is. that those medicines were tested. I mean, it was like people from developing countries that didn't know what they were doing. Some of them were studying medicine and they said, if you don't take this drug, you cannot continue to study medicine in this university. It was really coercive. It was really, really a violence, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And even nowadays, not giving proper, proper attention and focus to um, health issues that are only, that only women have, it's pretty perpetuating this Mindset that women are not so important as men, you know, like PCOS, endometriosis, all those health issues that women have, they still don't have a cure, right? I mean, many things still don't have a cure and not even proper treatment. Yeah. And it's the thing is, those diseases or those conditions that only women have, they weren't important for men to deal with because it's not affecting a male body. And Even like understanding hormonal cycles of women and seeing what works for them is so, so important because we have very different ways of functioning because we have different bodies, men and women. But we've been treated as only as the male. And I was talking to my sister even like about endometriosis. I think it's weird how only recently people have been doing like more serious research about it because so many women suffered from this from so many for so long. And yeah. And even like, don't even talk about, for example, obstetric violence that happens to women all the time. And they don't even know it's type of violence when they going to birth and certain things happen to them. And yeah, it's horrible. And we need more care and less invasive procedures in our bodies in general also neglection of the emotional side is really important to mention i think people have to be more open especially in some some countries they are already very open-minded about it but some others not so much about you know taking care of emotionally our emotional side and going to the psychologist or to a I don't know a therapist. I think it's really important because it really helps people to deal with very challenging situations in their lives and people sometimes they have a hard time admitting that they need help and that they have this emotional struggle. Especially men, I'd say. They have yeah. really hard a really hard time to accept that they need help, especially related to emotions. Yeah. That's why this patriarchal system we live in is harmful for everyone everyone you men that are listening to this i know you're not many of you but (laughs) it's harmful for you too i mean men suffer from mental health issues very strongly as well but they don't have a support system they don't have anyone to go to because it's conditioned that it's vulnerable and it's an emotional labor you're not able to do or Any of those things. And if you check suicide rates, men in their forties is like the highest one. And it's not a surprise, actually, because those people have been taught that their emotions are not allowed. So how can you work through like this condition that you're going through, the sadness that you're going through, if you don't have means of expressing them or, you know, healing them? So I think it's important. Holistic healing is very wonderful in this aspect because it's even though a lot of women search for it, there's almost not a lot of men looking for holistic healing. I think it's a very beautiful approach to mind, body and spirit that can help a lot of people and is not invasive. And I think it's important to clarify what's holistic healing because many people don't know. Holistic healing, it's healing your entire self, you know, mind, body, spirit. But I would also add uh, not only your physical self, you know, like your your individuality, but also the collective healing. Also your community, also the environment, everything around you impacts your health and your well-being. So I truly believe that, if your neighbors are not doing right, if they're not healthy, you will not be able to be completely healthy. If the environment is unhealthy, you're not going to be healthy as well. Everything is interconnected. And I think having this broader perspective on health and well-being, it's really important for us to move forward, you know, from now on and be aware that we shouldn't care only about ourselves, but we should care about Our communities, our environment, planet Earth, you know, everything matters. Yes. It's a choice, people. You, I think all of us can decide to be more aware of the things that are going on and decide to embrace this healing and embrace more this collective aspect that we need to help each other and remembering the role of women in all this because from the beginning. I think we've been holding pieces together in communities and this role of caring, not only for an individual, but caring for the collective, for the future generations and for the people who are living already here is something we can learn from them in very deep levels, I would say. Yes, I think it's really important you mentioning how this feminine energy is important for the collective, for everyone, Because we've been living in a society that is very masculine. And we, as women or men, we have been emphasizing a lot our masculine side because we need to hustle and we need to conquer the world. But also we need to give more emphasis to our femininity or feminine energy. If you don't want to use femininity, this side that is caring and nurturing and accepting. And it's, it allows things to happen more naturally and intuitively and caring for everyone around you as well, not only as an individual, but as one in a group, one in a society, one in this whole world, right? So, yeah, I think we can use this month to really reflect on how can we bring more of this um, positive traits of the feminine energy into our lives and how we can show to other people around us how they can also embrace this side, you know, because everyone have a feminine energy and a masculine one as well, men or women and showing them a way that they could be more receptive and they could be more caring towards themselves, more accepting towards their own being, but also towards others and having more compassion and more kindness, you know. This would allow a lot of change if you're not restricting yourself to believe in one single thing. You can be flexible to hear, as we said in the beginning, the narratives and stories of many people around you. Do not close your eyes for the possibilities that are not obvious in front of you, but be open to listen to all the other possibilities. Yeah. Even though change and the unknown is scary for a lot of people, I think all of us need to embrace both sides of us, the feminine and the masculine, especially the feminine nowadays, because we do need more healing in this world for ourselves and our communities. And I also wanted to mention that um, because it's Women's History Month, let's start making history, people. And let's start remembering what are the histories, like the stories histories and tales that we're telling for ourselves what are the narratives that we keep about women what are the narratives about the feminine what are the narratives we're passing forward to the kids and let's make this month something that we can reflect upon on an energetic level like my sister was saying but also on a political level because it should be inclusive and like we're saying This women that we talk about, Women's History Month, is not only for cisgender women, but also everyone that identifies as women, especially those who are in more vulnerable conditions. We embrace everyone and we wish everyone to think about it and dedicate your time to just harness this beautiful female energy that all of us have and move forward for more gender equality. We do need it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Stay tuned for the next ones. If you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to give us a like, share, comment down below what you you thought about it. If you're listening to us on podcasts, you can always leave us a review. And thank you so much for your time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye.